Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Andre Carlisle. How's it going, Andre? Hey, Claire. Uh, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I think this week we're going to get into actually specifically these NWSL games that we saw over the weekend because we got back into NWSL action after an international break. Uh, Apologies to our listeners. We're probably not going to go into deep on those USA Nigeria games. We're just going to have to wait for the blockbusters in October. But I think this is a good weekend to kind of do an NWSL reset because we are in this final stretch. And this weekend was interesting. Like we started the weekend thinking, oh my gosh, maybe Portland's going to end top of the table. Maybe San Diego is going to stay here at the top of the table. By the end of the weekend, we were saying, oh my gosh, maybe Houston's going to be at the top of the table. And then Kansas City's at the top of the table um, with a couple really intriguing score lines. So we're just going to go game by game. Section A, we'll do first three. Uh, section B, we will do second three. So let's start with the Friday games. First game of the weekend is Portland Thorns versus the Orlando pride is portland back andre they win two to nothing (laughs) you know it's it's funny i think on the result of course you could say they are back but i do think you get a bit of credit especially in portland or in orlando having to go and i I, i've tweeted multiple times every time i watch an orlando pride match now like they're gonna meet you in the octagon like you're gonna you're gonna have to scrap and uh portland scrapped and got a couple goals uh, there wasn't a whole lot of a threat and attack from Orlando. I'm still kind of waiting to see Darian Jenkins and Ali Watt kind of like in the starting 11 or playing together uh, for longer periods of time. So I do think that hopefully they're building that. But uh, but yeah, they they made it a battle and made Portland earn it. Yeah, let's talk about that with Orlando. So Orlando makes a couple big moves, right? They trade for Ali Watt. They trade for Haley Hansen. Um, in this game coming off the international break, neither of those players were in the starting 11. Um, what do you think of that balance that Orlando is currently is currently kind of on with players that they've drafted and have been in this team system for a little bit longer versus the players that they went out and got? Like, why do you go get these players if you're not going to play them? Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I it's hard to know because I don't necessarily know what they're building. And we also don't know if they're planning on building that with Seb Hines, you know, the right. coach who's there now, hopefully that's the case. Seems like he's doing a good job and the players are responding at least in a defensively organized way an aggressive way where it's very difficult to play against them, uh, which is kind of like the first step to kind of like fixing problems. We kind of saw that not to jump too far ahead, but we kind of saw that with Houston, like fix the defense, get a decent you know, foundation, and then you can start having more fun. Now, Houston's having a lot more fun and attack than Orlando is right now, but I am hoping that the players they brought in are exciting players, and I would like to see them a bit more, but it it almost seems like we, we don't really know yet with Orlando, and I'm hoping that's just because there's there's still foundational stuff they need to work on, but I, I do feel like they have a decent foundation where I want to see more of those players. I want to see that attack do a little bit more than what they're doing at the moment. Yeah, they got 10 shots total, but only one on goal. And it is also, I think, for me, difficult to tell if this was a Portland-specific issue or if this was just kind of how they prefer to play. I know, like you said, they're very physical. They like to make themselves tough to play. Um, Their long, unbeaten run, you know, that was a lot about sort of 
bringing the game to a level where other teams really struggled to execute uh, and just credit to Portland's quality. Portland was able to do so. Um, so then maybe that's my next question is for Orlando. They're still in the, you know, they're still in the playoff picture. We only had one team actually eliminate, or maybe two. I, I don't remember if racing Louisville also was mathematically eliminated, but um, maybe surprising how many teams are still alive at this point in the season for Orlando. Should they not worry about this one too much? Portland's very good. Or is this like a, a tough litmus test for some of these games against other playoff contenders? Yeah, it's, it's difficult for me to kind of figure out how they should approach the season. They're, they're clearly not looking at it from what I can see. You know, they're, they're looking at more incremental steps to improve their team as opposed yeah. to saying, like, let's get into the playoff race. Um, I think at 21 points or ninth, it's not a long way away. But mm-hmm. given how the teams are playing and just how tight that top part is, you're going to need somebody to do or a couple teams to drop out quite a bit in order for them to climb up there. So I, I don't think that that's that that's what they're looking at right now, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I do think that you know if they happen to <laughs> they happen to get results and sneak in, celebrate. But right. right now, I think they're building something, and so yeah, I, I I'm <sighs> I'm I'm just <laughs> kind of like we we have this conversation about Orlando all the time. I just hope that now is. This is it. the time. Yeah, this right. Is the time. They're this time they're getting. actually going to get that boulder up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's a, yeah. the foundation looks to be there. Agreed. I'm hoping Seb stays around because it looks again. It looks like they're the players are responding, and that's been a much better environment from what we heard reports of earlier in the season. So, like, it's just for me in this league, you have to score goals if you're going to win games. And I think only in the last, I was trying to look it up real quick. I think in the last four games, the only time they had over, I think four shots on target was against Gotham, which at that point in time, Gotham was really struggling um, Mm -hmm. defensively. So um, they don't do a whole lot in attack. They really want to manage the game and make you earn your goals, but then they have a hard time putting the goals on the board, unless there's some sort of penalty or something like what happened in San Diego. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And then on the flip side, let's talk Portland. Um, You know, still certainly in the shield conversation. uh, I thought they looked, I, you know, they had this two game slight little skid before the international break. And then the question is how much of that was just due to the circumstances of their schedule. It was a short week. They rotated heavily. They lose two games in a row looked much better. I thought in this match, um, looked better rested, looked like they had more of their choice starting 11. They get 18 shots, eight on target. That is a good, uh, attacking output. And then also maybe just the player. I mean, I think we should say that, that Yasmin Ryan has done quite well in her, her second. Well, it's like not really second year. It's like she's on an 18 month cycle. She came in halfway <laughs> last year. Um, not rookie, but kind of rookie. She's done quite well. Um, but Hina Sagita, man, I don't know. I know that Sophia Smith is is Portland's MVP candidate, but Hina Sagita has been awesome to watch this year, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think, and I love that, uh, I think after the match, Megan Klingenberg was asked about her and just, like, gushed, said, like, you know, she does so many things that people don't notice, makes the game so much easier for teammates and everything. Like, she just does everything that's needed. And, yeah, looking at her and play and how, and how she Helps them keep the ball, progress the ball, move the ball around. She picks up a lot of spaces all over the pitch. She just kind of is almost like constant relief wherever you need it. And she's really helping helping the team continue to be able to move and apply that kind of consistent pressure where you get those kind of shots and dangerous shots, shots on target. And so every time that a player like that can come up with a goal, I think it's awesome because mm-hmm. they're, you know, we, we're, 
And I, I'm, I'm, I admit, I get like this as well. I look at the goal scorers and I get right, really happy sure. about the goal scorers. But, you know, there are a lot of players that work hard to do to put the team in positions like that. And Sagita is one that does that consistently. Uh, and so it's really dope to see her score goals and, and get celebrated. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I think it would be remiss not to mention the the substitution heard around the world in the 86th <laughs> minute. Crystal Dunn is back. Okay, so obviously I know that I was just like gushing. I was just so happy to see her out on a pitch again. I know everybody else felt the same way. Um, but also just really excited to see what she brings to this Portland team, right? She played in the midfield for them, paired with Lindsay Horan last year. Um, and it went pretty well. I still always felt like that project ended a little unfinished, but now yeah. she's got a, a different midfield around her. What would you like to see Portland do to utilize Dunn in these last in this last stretch of games? So, first of all, I was absolutely like you, just ear to ear smile. I can't. First of all, I can't believe how quickly she's back, but I also I can because that's Crystal Dunn, and she's just <laughs> in a class by herself. Um, but I and I'm I was wondering where she was going to end up on the pitch when she finally got on. And in the post game, it sounded like she didn't even have a conversation with Rianne Wilkinson about that. She was just like, I'm going to play you in this particular position. She was just like, yep, go in there. Here's your job. Mm -hmm. And she did her job. So even though she said she's not quite 90 minutes fit, which obviously how could she be? Right. Uh, But getting there, I really like this midfield role. I think there's a dynamism, obviously, that Crystal Dunn brings and something that they might need and could make Portland even more dangerous mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in attack. I think we've seen them use, you know, combination. You know, Sam Coffey is always in there. Then you always kind of see Sagita, maybe Rocky Rodriguez. You know, mm-hmm. Olivia Moultrie has gotten some starts. Mm-hmm. I think if you give some of those minutes to some of those players who have been in rotation to Crystal Dunn, um, and then when she's ready to give some starts to her, I, I'm, I have – I always – I'm team Crystal Dunn as a midfielder, so yeah. I always want to see that. But yeah, I'm looking at how it might work within this system and with the players around, like you mentioned, Ryan Weaver, Sophia Smith. I'm thinking that could be incredibly dangerous and I'm here for it. Would you play her as, as a more forward facing, like attacking midfielder? Is that kind of what you're envisioning? They had her as an eight last year, which was a more connecting role, though she was obviously given room to sort of drift and, and do her thing. Yeah, I think she, and I think that's the key. As long as you give her room to drift and, and do things because she is such a she has so many, she's she's the most versatile player we have. You know, we we talk about she's won a golden boot as a forward for the Washington Spirit. She was a winger and a midfielder for a dynasty like North Carolina team. And on the US Women's National team, she's a left back that was right. really important to shutting down some of the best wingers in the world. So you have the most versatile player there. And I just think that if you give her opportunities in midfield to kind of move the ball and then attack and also on the dribble, um, shoot at goal, create chances, but then also she can drift wide because she's very difficult to mark 1v1 in those wide spaces when you get a defender isolated. So I just think she brings so much and you can tweak systems and attack defenses in different ways when you have a player like Crystal Dunn. Agreed. Um, two more quick ones on Portland because I don't, don't want to spend too much time just on this first game. This is the danger of doing game by game is you get into the first <laughs> one and you could just talk for like a half hour. Um Rian Wilkinson, I think, has flown under the radar a little bit as maybe a, a dark horse coach of the year candidate. I, I know that we've talked about her immediate talent ID of Sam Coffey as a potential number six. She's done a nice job managing this roster in her first year. I mean, we've seen a lot of firsts this year, right? San Diego's doing great in their first year. Angel City's doing well in their first year. But Rian Wilkinson's first year so far, I think, even has exceeded expectations, at least for me. Is that would you agree with that statement? Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, I, 
not to, you know, you the only real like version of the thorns we have to compare is Parsons thorns. You right. Know, that, that's what we have to compare. And they look just as good, if not slightly better in some areas. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredible for a first year coach, especially in a league like this. So, yeah, I think she should be really high up there in, in coach of the year conversations because she's been excellent. Yep. And then as we seg, I just have one final thing that I noticed that Portland did against Orlando, which I thought was a good idea. Speaking of Brian Wilkinson being a good coach is they pushed Morgan Weaver wider. They pushed her further into that wing channel. And I thought that actually worked really, really well. I think the utilization of Morgan Weaver is an interesting one too, where she's a very particular prospect and they've moved her centrally. They've had her kind of pair with Sophia Smith, but when they pushed her out wide, she caused a lot of problems for that Orlando defense. So that's one to watch because we have other teams this weekend who have pushed some particular players out wide and had good results but we're going to move on to the second friday game this one also i think quite interesting and i enjoyed watching i thought this was a fun game so this is ol rain hosting the chicago red stars this is a 2-2 draw now when you look at (laughs) when you look at things like the xg map for this one it kind of tells the tale of, of the game, which is the uh, OL Reign were all over Chicago for the first half hour. They um, outshot. They had shots on goal. They had at least two or three very close misses, hit the post. Um, there was that one uh, Heidemann shot that like hit the post and went right into Alyssa Nair's arms. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is, that's, that's, the God, that's soccer God saying no. Um, and then Chicago claws their way back, right? They get kind of a goofy goal at the end of stoppage time in a really poor defensive sequence from, from the rain. Also, also, if you watch, if you watch the gift of that goal, you're like, even the other attackers at Chicago kind of stopped. It was like everyone stopped, <laughs> yeah. but Ellis Stevens, Ellis Stevens was the only person still playing in this soccer <laughs> game. Um, and then Chicago wins a penalty. They go up to one and then Rose Lavelle does Rose Lavelle things incredible banger from distance. Well, not even really from distance. I think she had just entered the box. Mm-hmm. Um, really nicely done. Ends 2-2. So first question, and I feel like I asked this question about the rain a lot. <laughs> Should they be happy with this point? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, given the way that they were playing in the first half, uh, I mean, I just... They're... <laughs> I'm frustrated because it's a team that has so many players on it that I really like that I think fit well together. They've done a really good job at recruitment and I like what Laura Harvey's doing in terms of how they're playing. They didn't even have just Fishlock for this game and they still look fluid. Mm-hmm. They're still creating a lot of chances and it was, it was incredible to watch, but then it's like they're committed uh, unknowingly and unwittingly and certainly against their will to <laughs> just being a statistic, like one of those teams who creates plays, beautiful football, creates a bunch of chances, doesn't take their opportunities. And then suddenly they're in a dog fight or yeah. a, a fight. Um, and so like, it's, it's really frustrating to watch, but as soon as you saw how many chances they're missing, you're like, it's one Oh, at the moment, I know Chicago scoring the next goal. You just knew that was going to happen. And then they score, like you said, one of the, you know, a gritty goal where the only player, like the only Ella Stevens is moving and scoring. Yeah. And it's like, yep, that's the kind of goal you give up when you create so many chances and you only put one on the board. So like, yeah, I don't think, I, I think, I definitely thought that Heidema was going to fix a lot of these issues in time. I thought, you know, give it some, give it a bit. She had a, quite a few, she scored, which was good, but had chances yes. to really have a hat trick in the first half. Yeah. Uh, and she's really clinical, but should have at least had two. There was one that just went right by the post on the wrong side. And it was probably a really quick reaction that she had to have. So I don't necessarily blame her for that, but it's just kind of something within this team isn't clicking to where they're being as clinical as they need to be. 
And that Roosevelt bangers drop points. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, no, they with Heidema, she she's so skillful. She's there's so much yeah. skill involved to creating the chances that she gets that the inability to put it in the back of the net in this game was kind of incredible because you see what it takes to get her in the position that she's in and the the even the ability to get on the ball and then just missing the goal. Um, have to also mention that Alyssa Nair had probably her game of the season so far. Okay. Um, she looked incredibly sharp. I don't know if it's just like feeling good coming out of U.S. camp or, or what, but she kept Chicago in that game, no doubt, because Chicago struggled. I mean, we're saying that the rain yeah. were not taking their chances, but to be clear, they were running all over the Red Stars in this first half in a way that I looked at it and I, it looked like Chicago was a little underprepared, to be honest. They didn't really have an answer for Megan Rapino on, on the outside. They didn't really have an answer for Sofia Huerta on the other side in Chicago's three back. When the wingbacks don't come back to help, then you're forcing these center backs into these constant one V one situations. Yeah. And you're coming up against Megan Rapino. She's going to win a lot of those. Yeah. Um, so I, I was kind of, I was a little bit disappointed in the game plan from Chicago in this first half, but to their credit, they made some adjustments and I thought the second half was much stronger from them. Um, and here's the other. So playing coach, you have players this is a minutes management question because because Chris Pestricelli said after the match that he was a little bit surprised. Maybe this is like a, a new to NWSL thing, but he was a little bit surprised that Meg Rapino played a full 90 and Roosevelt played a full 90. How do you balance or how do you think teams should balance the load? I mean, players have had a lot of minutes on their legs at this point, but there's only four or five games left and this is crunch time. How do you balance that? Because by the end of the game, Pino looked a little bit tired. Yeah, and I think it's really difficult to be honest to balance it, especially when you it is this time period. It's when the 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 friendlies in uh for the U.S. Women's National Team friendlies in October are very poorly timed as far as the NWSL schedule goes. Um, but yeah, I think it's very difficult. You know, you do need to rely on a lot of these players to play um, because your team is does lean on them, especially in crunch situations and in big points. And I was a little surprised to see Roosevelt play so long but I think that also the way you get an early sub from for Roosevelt so she can get some rest but the game went as it went and you really needed her out there to try and make sure you have points because you're in a playoff race like they they can't drop all of the points you know you take a loss right there and suddenly you're really struggling you right on the edge of maybe being outside and maybe Angel City can can leapfrog you in in just a week so like it's very it's very very tense to make sure that they get those playoff games and so, yeah, I was I was a little surprised. I thought that, you know, Megan Rapino, she came on what she had. She was sub in both the Nigeria games. Um, mm-hmm. But so but of course, you have to travel as well. So that adds to it. So it is it's going to be an, a balancing act. And it, I'm hoping that we don't see, you know, negative impacts moving forward to players that when you really need on them, they're just exhausted and can't give anymore. But it also is like it's tough because you're in a race right now and the playoffs mm-hmm. haven't even begun, but they also have. Right. Well, right. And you're not kidding about that schedule too, right? Like they, we have the, we have the last four weeks of the regular season and then immediately they fly to England to play the England game. They just announced today that the second game is going to be against Spain, call it a learning opportunity, but the U S does not want to lose those games. So (laughs) there, but also, you know, you have a player like Mal Pugh who might be playing for a playoff spot five days before that friendly 
it's tough. It's going to be tough for, for people to handle, handle that loading for these players and not just completely burn them out by the time the playoffs even get here. Um, but also to their credit, to the rain's credit, that equalizer. I loved that goal because for two reasons, (laughs) reason number one was that actually was Megan Rapinoe. Sometimes when Megan Rapinoe gets a little bit gassed, (laughs) what she'll do is she'll get the ball at midfield and just wing it forward. She'll just be like the ball's going and I'm not. And (laughs) she, she does that. She sends this ball up because she sees Lavelle in transition she's not going to be able to keep up with her so she sends the ball up sometimes that works sometimes that doesn't that one was perfect right it lands right at Lavelle's feet perfect perfect pass from Megan Rapinoe and then obviously just you know Lavelle three steps and she just shoots it and it's an incredible you know great 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 goal um so yeah I thought that one was it kind of made me laugh because it was uh a, a play from the two U.S. women's national team players just truly making something happen um, despite being tired. And I think that's something that you love to see when you're in a, in a playoff push. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a good, I think it was a good point for Chicago. They have a really tough run in They're playing other playoff contenders all the way through. They've got Kansas city, Houston, Portland, and angel city to close out their season. So Ooh. it's tough. Ooh, they need yeah. every single point they can get. Cause they are right on that line. Um, so, Moving on to the big game. This is a good one to close out this section. So big CBS Saturday. It's a matinee. They're playing at 1 p.m. Eastern (laughs) at Audi Field on CBS. Jen Hildreth is there to tell us all about it. I loved this game. I was like, this is the the, I'm having so much fun watching this game. So this is the Washington Spirit. Congratulations to the Washington Spirit, to you, Andre, to everyone in the DMV. area the washington spirit have a win for the first time since i think may 1st correct four to three over the san diego wave not a normal game by any means um it goes back and forth san diego's goes up first uh washington equalizes almost immediately amber brooks gets a brace but then she gives up a penalty to alex morgan and then there's a corner that wasn't a corner and alex morgan scores again (laughs) and then at the very end there's another penalty talk me through it andrea roller coaster of emotions (laughs) such a roller coaster and i'm i'm like it's it's a lot of it, I wish it could, I wish I could say it's indicative of the spirit season. I think without Ashley Hatch's 100th minute, you know, penalty uh, conversion to get the win, it was a lot like the rest of the season without that. Cause you know, as you mentioned, they've only won one other game prior, but yeah, this, this match probably took years off my life. <laughs> it was so fun to watch. Great as a neutral, like, but if you were an invested party, I'm sure it was hell. <laughs> oh yeah, right. I was gonna say this was a great match to be on t- on CBS as well. Like you got, you know, four to three. It's great. It's in an action. It's drama. It's everything. Um, but yeah, it was like, oh, it was it was an exhausting match, but it was so good to have that in that conclusion because I mean, like you mentioned, so <laughs> it's funny too because shout out to Casey Stoney for the for the troll move of putting Jaden Shaw in the starting eleven, which yep. she may have done against anybody because Jaden Shaw is very good. But as soon as I saw her name, I was like, she's scoring. She's absolutely scoring. If you don't know the backstory, she trained with the Spirit, went into the the discovery list, and San Diego claimed her, and she ended up staying with them. So uh, despite her having, I think she spent around six months training with the Spirit, um, and she. Uh, went to a different team, which didn't make the spirit all that happy. But, you know, it, that that process is what it is. Um, so I was like, she's scoring. And then, of course, what, within, what, 10 minutes she scores. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we had something that we haven't seen all 
year. And it's something that we've been waiting for, watching the spirit week in, week in and week out. The combination between Trinity Rodman, Ashley Hatch, Ashley Sanchez, and Taryn McGeown. Yeah. We finally saw all four of those players combined for the equalizing goal. That was incredible to watch. And then you get the fun of defender Amber Brooks getting on the score sheet twice mm-hmm. with a little toe poke into the corner after like a scramble from a from a corner, which was great. And then she gets a which she called after the game the most acrobatic goal she's ever scored. It was uh, a really impressive header. It was wild. Yeah. I didn't even but the funny thing was, and I don't know if they actually were practicing specifically that, but the spirit were trying to find her back post on multiple corners. Mm-hmm. And uh San Diego wasn't really covering it. She was open, but they couldn't make the connection until that one. And how she contorts to get her head on that, loop the ball over Sheridan and into goal. That was just an incredible moment. And they're up three to one on a team yeah. that was like at the top of the table, you know, before Portland won. It was incredible to watch. And then in true 2022 spirit fashion, it's three to three. And you're like, not again. Right. Maybe this is this is answered by by Andy Sullivan not being on the field, but why to diagnose maybe what I see as is one of Washington's biggest issues. And obviously they don't have their first choice back for like we understand some of those but they, they really struggle to control that midfield. So they're good going forward. You know, Trinity Rodman is dangerous. Ashley Sanchez is dangerous. You know, they, they got Dorian Bailey in there, Tara McKeon. Ashley Hatch was dropping into the midfield a lot, which is maybe also indicative of this question, which is why do they struggle to control the midfield so much, especially in these late game scenarios? Yeah, it's a weird one. And we kind of talked about that with, uh, with interim coach Albertine Montoya, which was, you know, his first game in charge and, and first win, which I've, before the game, I was like, CBS, San Diego, no pressure, you know, first yeah, game right. as interim manager. Um, but it goes out and wins it. But yeah, we were talking about the Spirit have, a, have developed a bad habit of late game situations. Their line gets so deep mm-hmm. and they just invite so much pressure. And then everybody's kind of scrambling and you lose your shape, you lose your organization, you lose markers all over the place. And, you know, you, we even kind of had that. They almost gave up um, a goal that would have made it 4-3 in favor of, of the wave. Right. And it was, it was, um, it looked like it was a possible penalty on San Diego in the buildup. The spirit are kind of waiting for a call. It doesn't come. Uh, eventually, Doniak gets, gets the ball and she finds Amira Ali right behind the defense. It almost looked like Doniak was offside as well in the buildup. That doesn't happen or that doesn't get called. And then Ali has the ball and it's basically 1v1 versus mm-hmm. Kingsbury who makes a great save. But like it's moments like that that happen and they haven't had the response to it. One, to be able to say, okay, we're dropping way too deep. We cannot do this. We have to contest higher up. If we keep allowing them chances to move the ball around uh, closer to our goal, we're going to give something up. Um, so there's that. But then there's also being able to make that key play. Like that Kingsbury save was massive. It gave mm-hmm. them the opportunity to then maybe find another goal at the other end, which they eventually did. But those are the things like those two things working in concert have been completely like, gone completely against the spirit. That's mm-hmm. why they have 11 draws. That's why they have the record that they have with only two wins. Every single game, it's almost like they're doing the exact same thing again. And you're just waiting for that goal to come. That's why when Alex Morgan made it 3-3, we were like, oh, of course. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that San Diego element of it, too, um, because I think we are also seeing from them some of the struggles of, again, they, you know, they have a very good attack. They have a very good defense. Naomi Grimm had another very good game. Um, 
again, just that midfield question. And, and they had some of their best success when they just bypassed the midfield entirely like that. The yeah. penalty won by Alex Morgan, which was a clear penalty and like an yeah. orangish card yeah. <laughs> Very much so. uh, was was that that Sheridan, Kaylin Sheridan booting it up to Alex Morgan classic. And they've had success with that this season. Um we've always talked about San Diego's consistency and I, I want to showcase like they had that again, this game, they almost got a point out of this despite being down three to one. That is really impressive. Um, and I thought that Alex Morgan had another good game, but it, I don't know if Taylor Corniak has been quite as effective in the second half of the season as she has been, in, as she was in the first half of the season um, probably doesn't help that people are like triple teaming her on set pieces now. <laughs> <Yeah>. Uh <laughs> What do you think for San Diego? For them, I am expecting San Diego to be a playoff team, right? Mm -hmm. I think they're still in the shield race. This for them has to be figuring out how you win those playoff games, right? And they came up a little bit short on this one. Is that cause for concern or does the comeback make you think, no, I think any sort of playoff game, they're going to be right in it? Well, I definitely think any sort of playoff game, they're going to be in it. But like you said, if they want to go farther, you know, if they want to see how far this kind of inaugural season can go, which is just we're sitting on the top of the table uh, in, in their inaugural season. I mean, they're really di- doing stuff we didn't necessarily think was possible in the NWSL. Yeah. It's been really cool to see. Um, and they have the players to be able to convert chances, you know, win penalties, score penalties, score uh, headers from corners with the back of your head like Morgan did. For yeah, that was, that was cool. I would love to know <laughs> if she I, it looked intentional, like it looked yeah. like she was fully going for it, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, like they have that. But yeah, if you're if you're going to be able to be a form, formidable test to anybody, you are going to have to do something with that midfield. And I think you we looked at the pass map after the game and there's a big old thick line between Sheridan and Morgan. Like yep. sometimes a lot of times they just boot the ball up there and just like get it into the box. However, but I do think there's some work to do to figure out midfield roles. You know, Van Eggman had a bit of a difficult first half, but had a better second half. And I think that Corniak coming in was helpful as well because mm-hmm. one area where they were really losing to the spirit was just the energy. Right. Spirit were getting a lot of second balls there, winning a lot of the, the the physical duels in midfield. And that kind of leveled off once Corniak came. So she didn't really come in and, you know, there were, of course, they're marking her tightly on set mm-hmm. pieces and things like that. But, and she didn't have like big, you know, extravagant passing numbers where she just controlled things, but she was really in there to do a specific job and did it pretty well ended up helping them, um, helping them provide the foundation to get uh, back to 3-3. So I do think it's tweaking some things and figuring yeah. things out because they really have the players, but it's just like sometimes, you know, when she wasn't in there, it was pretty easy for Washington with the midfield they had, even without Andy Sullivan, uh, to control it for stretches of that first half. Yeah, I'm really fascinated going into playoffs with the idea of, of nerves and, and whatever, what have you, what you're going to see in fatigue, as we said, nerves and fatigue is going to be part of the deal here. Um, tempo. I'm really curious to see what teams try to force the issue in terms of tempo against a team like San Diego. Um, because when you let San Diego dictate tempo, I think they're incredibly difficult to beat, but if you force the issue, then they move into patterns that are a little bit easier to defend. So I'm, I'm really curious about that. All right. So that's been part a, we don't, <laughs> this is going to get long. That's okay. It's <laughs> worth it. Great end of weekend. So this has been part one. We'll be back in just a second for part two.
All right. Welcome back to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Andre Carlisle. Please rate and review the podcast. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. It helps people find us. Um, It's really, really useful for discovery. And everybody knows that discovery is king. So please give us a five-star rating. Give us a nice review. So let's get into the second three games of the weekend. Um, Now, Jason Anderson and I, the last time we did the podcast, which was two weeks ago, is we did a little bit of an extended conversation about Louisville because we thought it was worth doing. Um, We saw some similar problems in this game. They have another really tough one, right? They they go into the international break off a 4-0 loss to Chicago. They come back with a 5-1 loss to North Carolina now. Caroline and Dabinia were, as you might say, on one. So Correct. <laughs> that's hard to defend for anybody. You know, I'm not pretending like that's a Louisville specific issue, but I asked Jason Anderson the question. I'm going to ask you the same question. Is this, is Kim Bjorkegren working out for racing Louisville? I don't see how anybody who is not <laughs> uh, biased can say that it is Yeah. Uh, because yikes. Um, and it, and it also, is very concerning because it seems like they've made a lot of moves to kind of provide him the ability to craft the team and implement the system that he wants. I mean, we talked before about Ebony Salmon, you know, she's out of the team after being their goal leading goal scorer in their inaugural season. She's with Houston. You know, I appreciate wanting to get, you know, CC Kaiser and Addison Merrick to their hometown. You know, they got closer to Kansas city, both traded to the current. They brought in Wong Shuang, which I think is amazing, amazing signing. Didn't think we'd end up seeing her in the NWSL, but I absolutely love it. Yep. For a little while, Jess McDonald was out of the team, and now it seems like she's back in the team. And, like, they're, they're, they have – they seemingly have done what they need to do to say, okay, here are the pieces that you want to imp- implement their system that you want to implement, and we should be seeing the fruits of that now. Right. It's later in the season. We know you're a new coach to this league. But we're talking about August and September now. Um, the season's over October 1st. Right. Like your team should be playing somewhat close to, especially if you've been the coach since like day one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you should, we should be seeing something. And right now the results are looking worse and worse. And that's just not a good sign. Right. That indicates, and we have seen that in the NWSL before of, um, you know, Louisville is dealing with their own, it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not a losing streak, but a, a winless streak that is quite long. Mm-hmm. I forgive me. I don't remember exactly how many matches it is, but I do think it also spans since May. Um, when the results start to get more and more lopsided, that starts to feel like a locker room that is struggling to even just compete for energy at the end of the season. And at that point, that means you probably need different energy. Um, and I, it's nobody's, you know, it's nobody's fault. I, I, I'm certainly not blaming the players. I think this is a very difficult thing to do. And we've seen a number of teams struggle with it. Um, you know, Gotham is having some trouble with that. We saw Washington finally kind of get over the line, uh, but yeah, you need something now for Louisville. I don't know. Do they wait till the end of the season? Maybe, you know, it might not be worth the upheaval, but you also don't want to end the season with these results getting worse and worse. Right. So I think it's a difficult question. And I think that Louisville, as we said um, a couple weeks ago, second year, like you said, with player acquisition, player movement, it just feels like there should be more progress than there is. And there's no reason why they can't be a competitive team. So that's, that's an interesting one to watch, I think, because um, they're going to have to make some bold decisions, I think, to, to make a big change. Now let's flip it. North Carolina, 
you just can't count them out every time you think, <laughs> oh, maybe this is the year. <laughs> North Carolina. I don't know, North Carolina. I don't know if they're going to make playoffs. You know, they're still they're climbing up. They're in uh, eighth now. They're getting up there. They're climbing, you know, and they still have some of these games in hand. We were talking about we've talked about with North Carolina before. And again, you'd sort of have to contrast it, which this is a game against Louisville and Louisville is struggling. But is five goals enough for North Carolina <laughs> to win a game? Do you think <laughs> uh, against against Louisville? Yes. Against yeah. another team. Maybe not. Uh, yeah, we don't know. Defense have been playing. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is the promise in North Carolina is games like this where right. they just are so free flowing and dominant in attack that like. I remember when, um, when we were talking on Diaspora United with um, Courtney and we realized that, uh, or she fa- realized that Caroline was going to, to North Carolina. She's like, okay, this is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, prophetic, it is yep. a massive problem. Or <laughs> Davinia is a big, big problem to contend with. And when you have a team, like I said, in, in Louisville that's already struggling, that was always just going to be a very bad matchup. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see this North Carolina team continue to get good results because I think creeping their way up the table and getting into like that last playoff spot mix is doable. Mm-hmm. Although Angel City keeps picking up points. I know. <laughs> and then that's the, that's also the thing that's struggling. So they have like their margin for error is zero right yeah, now. Right. They need to win out. And that's a very difficult thing to do, particularly as we've mentioned, a team that has question marks in defense and they can score a lot of goals, but they also give up a lot of goals as well, which is not characteristic of them. Yes. And who North Carolina has coming up, they actually play Angel City next. That's going to be a very important <laughs> game. Midweek, North Carolina That's versus it. Angel City. And then they've got they've got some tough ones. They've got OL Rain still on the bill. They've got San Diego still coming up, um, plus matches against Orlando and Gotham. So really interesting to see how they do um, against those other playoff contenders, because for you know, a team like North Carolina, it's that same question of, yeah, it would be great to, to run the board and, and make it to playoffs, but you want to be competitive against those playoff teams as well. So yeah. fascinating to see what happens with them. Moving on to Sunday's games, Sunday, Kansas city versus Gotham, Kansas city gets the one zero win. Kansas city is on a 13 game unbeaten streak. They are currently alone at the top of the NWSL table. Good vibes in Kansas city, right? It just feels like they're having a lot of fun. I am so happy for Kansas city. Um, I, I love that, you know, you don't always see sometimes investments like you know the training facility that they're doing you know they just i believe they just broke broke ground on the um stadium that's going to be open this you know into itself specific you love to see like those kind of efforts rewarded and of course they've also done things front office wise player acquisition wise as well and the thing that's always amazing to me and i say it every time i talk about kansas city is sam Lewis and lynn williams are not playing for them and won't (laughs) and haven't been and those were the two stars that they were like, you know, we were finally like, we are going to go for a championship because we have these two players in. They were able to adjust. They had to tweak, clearly have to tweak the, the way you plan on playing. Whether If you're going to have Sam Ewis, you can do a lot of other things. If you're going to have Lynn Williams, you can do a lot of things in attack as well. And they've had to change it up a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's worked. Like you said, 13 match unbeaten. This was a very difficult match. You know, Gotham has been playing so much better than yep. they were earlier in the season. And it's just... It's just like I can empathize with them as, a, as somebody who covers the spirit because it's just like it's always when your season is gone like this, you're waiting for the wrong thing to happen in a game that's going to yep. like put all that good effort and, and just completely cancel it or wipe it away. And that's exactly what happened. Penalty, 
Kansas City gets it, converts it, and yep. you lose one nil, and it looks like, oh yeah, you look at the table, you're like, yeah, Kansas City also was able to bring out some players, rotated the squad a bit. I think Loero was not was out as well, mm-hmm. so like they weren't at their full 100 um, percent strength, but still got the win. And for Kansas City, you need to do that. For Gotham, it's, it's kind of sad. Yeah, like I'm I'm looking at the box score f- of of this game and I'm like maybe the only real criticism I can have of Gotham here is that they were only able to get 3 on target. I think maybe yeah. that, you know, for for a team that's struggling to get over the line, um well, gosh, the the th- thing that's really tough for Gotham and you just feel for them is it's not a winless streak. It is a losing streak and that yeah. is really hard mentally. It's like you said, you know, even though athletes are so good at taking things one game at a time and they don't dwell on the past, but you can't unlive your lived experience. And if you have an experience of nine games where somehow in so many different ways, it doesn't go your way to the point of a loss. When you're out on the pitch, you can't change the way that feels and you can't change some of that sense memory. And this was just another one where they were fine. They were totally fine. I liked their formation change. I think Monahan and Smith as wingbacks was a great idea. I thought the three back worked well. I thought they did a decent job combating Kansas city's midfield and just could not get, I mean, I think ultimately for them, I don't blame the defense. I think that they just yeah. need to score some goals, and that is the thing that is killing them right now. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, and they also didn't have Mitch Purse. He was out, and so right. that's a problem. Right. But, yeah, I mean, you you look at the goal scoring. Goals four on the table is awful. 13 yeah. all yeah. season. That is incredibly low. We just talked about Louisville and how bad of a season they're having. That's four fewer than Louisville. Yeah. That is not good, and they've conceded 37 that's really, really bad. And and it is that they do need that attack. But as you mentioned, and we looking at their games, and I do feel bad for them because, you know, they're going to probably hear a lot of that, you know, playing poorly, bottom of the table, all of that, but made tremendous improvements in defense and in midfield. Mm -hmm. And they're unfortunately not getting the goals to be able to capitalize on those, uh, on those uh, improvements. So it is difficult for them, but also, yes, What's that five? How many losses in a row now? It's nine. Jeez. They are, they are one game away from tying the single season record, Mm. which was set by the spirit in 2018, which again, similar situation in in that season where the spirit people remember sky blue in that season. Mm. Cause sky blue did not get a win. I think until either their last home game or the last game. That's the team that you remember, but the spirit also really struggled that year. And it was that same situation of, it's not like they weren't competitive in every game. It's just mm-hmm. sometimes these streaks sort of compound on themselves, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I would love for them to have their moment at the end of the season of just kind of breaking through um, because they're going to have to, and they said this on the stream, which I think is interesting. They're going to have to probably make some off season decisions. You know, Gotham mm-hmm. came in with some very uh, some lofty expectations that haven't been met they changed coaches, which I think was the right call. And they have a lot of players entering free agency in the off season. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see what they decide to do. Cause I think that you got to, you probably have to shake things up as well from there, but great to see the response from the team. Uh, so do you think Kansas city can win the shield? You think this is legit? It's always difficult because I feel like the more we make a big deal of a streak, I know. The, le- the more likely it is to end. Yeah, <laughs> and I really thought so it was maybe going to happen against Gotham. Right. Uh, because we did see, you know, San Diego 
they weren't really on a streak, but they were playing very well and they end up losing to the spirit. Right. And so I was thinking something like that could happen, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't. So I'm like, at some point it's probably going to happen, but they are playing very well. They're very hard to beat. They mm-hmm. manage the game well out of possession um, in particular. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm big. I'm big Kansas city believer. I was a big Kansas city believer before the season, but I, even I didn't see this happening. So I'm, I want to ride it and see how far I can go. Yeah, the mentality just very, very, very good. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe the warning bells. Now that you said that, I was like, oh, they do have a tough week coming up. They played in New Jersey on Sunday. They have to travel to Chicago on Wednesday, which I think is pretty brutal. Chicago is going to have two days more rest than they, mm-hmm. and they're going to be at home. So, um, and, and Kansas City also had uh, players on international duty, like you know the mm-hmm. Canadian players. They went all the way to Australia. They're in, they're in a kind of a tough stretch where you maybe see that falter sometimes. It's like the, the similar scenario to what we saw with Portland having a tough time before the international break. Um, but I think that's Kansas City's whole thing is if even if they go down a goal, even if they go down <laughs> two goals, it yeah. doesn't matter. They're gonna, they they do not get phased, and I think that yeah. that is is really really fun to watch and is the kind of thing where. I, I think they're a playoff team 100% and I would oh, yeah. not want to face them. I think that no. they are the kind of team that they, their, their belief of will is just like so strong and it fits the style that they play. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they could abs. They, they look like an NWSL playoff team to me in the way where I'm like, I think they can win playoff games. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love, I love that their players have been mic'd up so many, so often, <laughs> And you just feel like the vibe in the team just seems fun. It seems really upbeat and good. They play the way they play, but they have, I think I really believe that so much of that is personality driven as well. Like when you face adversity, when you go down a goal or two, you have the like eternal optimism of somebody like Lola Bonta. Yep. Just make, create things and make good things happen. It's always pushing the team forward and attack. And then Kristen Hamilton, who's just like nonstop, nonstop <laughs> energy and running. And she was mic'd up in the game too. And you just heard her all pregame. And I was like, there's no way like you can you can be a part of that environment and not as long as everything else, like all the, the the infrastructure around is supporting you. It's like it's just a very good, very good. It looks like it feels like a very good place to be. And um, I, I think we're, the results are showing that. I also loved I loved Haley Mace's uh, PK celebration where she was she was she just did a flex, <laughs> yeah. did a flex on him, um, which I actually I even I noticed this uh, when when Mace was playing for the U.S. I was like, man, she looks fit. She looks yeah. like a professional, like even she's taking a step up in, in her mm-hmm. fitness this year. And that's another just like good facilities, good off the field support, mm-hmm. making them the best that they can be. And they're really enjoying that. So I think that that's fantastic. Um so moving on to the last game of the weekend, this one also really interesting, right? We've got Angel City. They are trying to keep pace with the rest of the playoff picture. Houston Dash, they had an opportunity to go top of the table that they let slip a little bit. Pretty even match. All, I'm amazed the way that Angel City is able to grind these points out. Um, they go. It's a 1-1 draw. Houston scores first with a just a fantastic we had some good goals this this weekend man yeah maria sanchez just sends a banger and it's it's you think okay this is when houston's going to start running downhill here right Mm. but then angel city comes back out and simone charlie just a really nice is almost immediately after halftime she comes out she she gets the ball she rounds the keeper she taps it in and angel city's right back in it so what do you think it is about this Angel City team that makes them so difficult to beat? 
Just, I mean, the, their style of play, their intensity. I mean, they 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 know exactly what they're supposed to, what they're what they want to do. I there's debate to whether whether that's like the best avenue for the players that they have. Maybe right. they could do things that make the game a little easier for themselves. For themselves, but, <laughs> yes, yeah. Right. yeah. But uh, they don't, and this is the way they're committed to playing. And I'm just thankful that subs are made. There was a sub in the 66th minute, I believe, which is which early for Angel City in the way that we've seen another one in the 76th, and then a couple uh post 80th minute, which was great to see. Like, okay, if you're going to play like that, I do think you need to be quick with your subs, you know, maybe mm-hmm. not halftime subs, but you need players to be able to say, Hey, run as hard as you can be as intense as you need to be. And then 60, 70 minutes, we're going to start fit, rotating so we can get some other players in there that have fresh legs and to, and to pick up the, keep the intensity level high. So I kind of get that. And I think Houston will be really upset. They didn't get three points from this though. I agree. Um, that 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 mistake which was just confusion looked like between the defender and jane campbell it was a very simple ball to be able to just like squeeze with your hands and but charlie's right there and neither of them seem either aware or particularly interested in in stopping her so she just is able to take the ball and stroll right into the goal and everybody's looking around like how did that happen and i was the same way i was like what just happened yeah sometimes i do wonder you know Soccer players are human too, right? If something so unlikely happens, maybe you yeah. freeze. It does happen yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, why is she there with the ball? Yeah. Why is this, how did why how is, did that happen? Yeah, yeah, why is this going on right now? Yeah, um, yeah. I also think maybe on the flip side, it, it it's harsh for Houston to have that giveaway be punished mm-hmm. with how many turnovers they generated from Angel City's midfield and couldn't convert on. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I think what you talk about sort of the tenacity and the intensity of angel city, especially in that defense. Part of that is because they actually have to deal with the ball being turned over in dangerous spaces quite a bit. The midfield has trouble controlling possession, um, whether, or even whether it's passes from DD heritage to Danny Weatherholt, like the goalkeeper to the number six doesn't always reach her, you know, um, when you have passes between Weatherholt and uh, Kerry Ricaro. Sometimes those don't always connect. And Houston did a nice job of contesting those and turning that into transition opportunities that they just couldn't quite get in the back of the net. Um, so I think that Houston is probably going to look at the tape of this one and think we let this slip, but not because we weren't generating those turnovers, generating those um, dangerous spaces, but they just weren't able to get that final ball. Um But that also, to a certain extent, makes sense to me because we were talking about with Houston when they had this great run midseason, not that it's not that this game, you know, was bad. They got a point, but um, they were rapidly overperforming their XG and that's come down to earth a little bit. But it seems like a credit to Houston and their defense, kind of like you said, you build that sort of stout defense and you can have more fun. The goals have come down to earth but it's not a disaster. And I think that that is a very marked difference from Houston of the past, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think that the attack isn't done growing and evolving because we saw Valerie Gavon come on and she looked very good. She had a chance, a goal that uh, probably like what, less than a foot away uh, from finding the other side of the post and winning that game. Um, And she's, if, if she's finding her footing in the NWSL, that's another problem because they can, you know, she's a very different profile from some of the forwards have Ebony Salmon and you look at what she can do, how she can pin defenders and make them and be a, an aerial threat, a strong threat and presence in the box as well. That's just another way in which they can win games. And they almost were able to get it done in this one. So, yeah, I, I do think that 
you know, it it would have been obviously for what they want. You know, they <laughs> listened to the interview. Who was it? I think it was maybe Meg on a full time um, did with Alex Singer and mm-hmm. uh, the new GM there. And they're you know not saying it too loudly because they don't want to jinx it or put any pressure on the team. But they really want to host a playoff game yep. and they need to stay in position to do that. And, you know, that one point keeps them fourth, uh, right. drops them down to fourth. And so they do need to get points from games like these. But I also don't think it was the worst result. And as long as they keep improving, which I think their attack will, um, we should see um, uh, we should see fewer games like this from <laughs> from Houston, I would say. Yeah. And Houston's got an interesting run in as well. They've got Chicago on Saturday. Um, Chicago will be at home, but on short rest. So they should have something of an advantage there in fitness. Then they have OL rain and then they close against the spirit. And now the spirit are not mathematically eliminated yet. But I have to think for them, if I if I know this one thing about the Washington spirit, I know that they're going to want to spoil some fun for some other teams. (laughs) Yes. And it can also be a chance for Houston to get some revenge, because I believe it was the last season uh, Houston needed to win a game against the spirit. And we're playing very well until they changed their system for no reason and gave up a long pass from Staub to Trinity Rodman for a one nil. So like, yeah. I'm thinking that could be a little payback opportunity for Houston. We'll see. Do you think, do you think the people who made the schedule <laughs> place that at the end of the season again, like as like a ha ha kind of a moment, like I let's see so. what happens. This time. <laughs> I, I'm more likely to believe that it's a happy accident, but yeah. I hope it was intentional because it's great. <laughs> yeah. The last weekend I'm excited for the last weekend of NWSL play. We're going to have a couple games that I think, could be it's going to be like last year, I think, where we're going to have some playoff deciders on the very last weekend of the season. Um, so real quick before we go, I'm just going to give a rundown of the standing so people have an idea sort of the context of what we're talking about. Kansas City's on top with 32 points. Portland and San Diego are tied with 31 points. Portland is ahead on goal differential, which is at 19, which is far and away the highest in the league right now. Uh, Houston is in fourth with 30 points. OL Reign in fifth with 28. Chicago in sixth with 27. Angel City in seventh with 26. Oh, it's close. North Carolina in eighth with 22. Orlando has 21 in ninth. Washington in 10th with 16. Uh, Racing Louisville in 11th with 14. And Gotham in 12th with 12. It's going to be a tight run in. Um, so maybe my last question for you, Andre, you don't have to, we, this is just, we're, we're having fun. You don't have to commit to it. I won't <laughs> blow up your spot if you're not right. Who do you think <clears throat> the last two playoff teams will be fifth and sixth right fifth now? Sixth. We've got three teams really in that mix. OL rain, mm-hmm. Chicago and angel city. The thing that concerns me is that Angel City has one more game to play. Mm. So at Rain in, in, the, in Chicago are on 18 games played. Angel City's on 17. Mm-hmm. So they theoretically, if they get three points from that game, they leapfrog both yep. of those. And that's, that's concerning to me. But as we've talked about, the way that Angel City approaches games, that win is not at all guaranteed. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's a possibility that it could be a draw. Um, uh, you know, they've been doing well to avoid some losses recently. But yeah, it, it would be... Uh, we haven't really seen the offensive explosion apart from, you know, when Claire Emsley scored that banger and they just can't win a little bonkers. So, oh, yeah, I'm filibustering. Um, I'm, right. con- I'm super concerned about rain because they have to start scoring goals. Yeah. And I thought at this point we would be talking about like we wouldn't that wouldn't still be a problem. Right. But it, it certainly is. Um, I think Chicago's OK as long as they can introduce Mallory Pugh at some point. 
I think mm-hmm. it was really smart to give her a rest, knowing how much they're going to need her uh, yep. to bring her on in the second half. Um, so, oh man, this is so tough. I know. This I don't think so there's tough. a wrong answer. I think that I know. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first. So I'll go first. Okay. Um, my Bail surprise people. <laughs> I think the team, the team that I think it's going to be the hardest for is actually Chicago. I think Chicago mm. um, just they they got Morgan Gattrall back for a couple minutes, which is fantastic. But I think eventually like I said, they needed a little bit more coaching dexterity to get through this game against the rain. And so that worried me at this point of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have a really hard run in. I just think it's a tough, you know, and I, and for them, I'm not sure getting draws is quite enough to secure that. Yeah. Um, it's possible they'll play angel city for a playoff spot at the end of, of the season, but they're going to have to really grind to be, be in that position. So I'm going to, my hot take is that of those three, I maybe worry the most about Chicago. Yeah, and I think my hesitancy is just like I want to see what that 18th game for Angel City is like. I know. Well, they also I, just, I really Angel want City, everybody to get on matches played. You talk about tough run-ins. They also have that yeah. that blockbuster against San Diego mm-hmm. at Snapdragon. Yeah, that's going to be a very difficult test for them. Yeah, and but that's the thing. Like I could look at all three of these teams and find a reason why they would be the ones not to make it. I mean, yeah. the rain yeah. can can stop scoring goals like they've apparently done right. all of a sudden. And you know, you can't like even though I love Roosevelt so much, uh, Roosevelt bangers just can't happen every single match. I right. would love them to, but that's a rough way to to approach the end of an NWSL season. Saying like you, you talked about Chicago, but also at Chicago's injuries. I mean, yeah, they right. had been so rough, and I'm just hoping they remain injury free throughout the rest of the season. Right, Angel City. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with All Rain and Chicago. In Chicago, you think it stays? Because I think their yeah. ceilings are higher. That's fair. That's where that's I'm. Fair. That's that's my. Yeah, I've talked myself into that. Yeah, I think that. Well, <laughs> I, I think that actually, in a lot of ways, it makes sense to me as well because um, those those positions, despite varying results, haven't really changed. Five and six has stayed about the same for about four weeks. And so it's hard to see it changing radically just when it hasn't happened yet. So I I buy that as well. Well, thank you so much, Andre, for talking through this with me. This was, this was great. I like getting into game stuff and it was a great game weekend. Uh, So this has been this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Claire Watkins. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy and our distributor, Blue Wire Podcasts. And we'll be back with you next week.